0: Sorry about that, folks. I'm uh, still dealing with a cold. there's another pounding sinus headache edition of this particular broadcast. Um, <clears throat> this is actually an official Occupy Detroit podcast. This is not an episode of V-Radio. E- um, it's important to point out that um, anything that you listen to on my other broadcasts may or may not reflect you know, the opinions of anyone in Occupy Detroit. Um, so basically, what you're listening to now is is just about Occupy Detroit, and anything that I say is just me. Um, I'm involving people from Occupy Detroit, obviously, in this podcast, but this is not a V radio broadcast. Um, so that being said, um, welcome to the second uh, official um, Occupy Detroit podcast. Uh, today, I'm going to be, I'm supposed to have actually several people calling in. We'll see how long that takes. But um, in the meantime, I've also got uh, Nathan here who you might remember from, if you're a V-Radio listener, from previous episode of V-Radio, where I got pre-recorded interviews of a lot of different people. You can also check him out on my YouTube channel. So, um, that being said, uh, Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Neil?
1: Good to be with you.
0: Now, um, today's topic, actually, although we're probably going to talk about a lot of different pieces of legislation, um, is specifically about this, what is being referred to as the anti-occupy law by many people on the internet, Um, HR 347. Ironically, um, because I've done a lot of different analysis, especially when I ran for Congress of different bills, this one is pretty straight and direct and to the point on just how fascist it is. And they didn't stick with their normal uh, MO of hiding stuff like this in other pieces of legislation. So, to anybody who's not familiar with what that means, essentially, like if you look at things like the Patriot Act, they're pretty direct. But then you look at stuff like the Military Commissions Act or some of these other acts, and in many cases, these bills get, you know, shot down. So what uh, lawmakers do is to be sure that the the Ron Pauls or the Dennis Kuciniches of the world don't see them is they try to hide provisions of these kinds of laws in other bills. Like, you know, say, for example, a CIA budget bill might actually have some other stuff in it, like, you know, stuck in there that has nothing to do with, you know, the CIA budget and instead says things like warrantless wiretapping, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So essentially, the average layman does not even necessarily even become aware of the fact that these things are even being passed. Um, and when you consider also that if you've ever looked at the typical act in Congress, you frequently run into situations where you're looking at something that's just pages and pages and pages and pages of documents. And then only like three or four of the provisions within it might be actually unconstitutional. And it's essentially just kind of a means to use stealth and obfuscation to pass um, you know, bad laws. In this instance, they didn't even mess around with that. Um, in fact, I can read, because of how short it is, H.R. 347 right now, it's not even that long. Um see. 112th Congress of the United States of America at the second session, uh, begun and held at the city of Washington on Tuesday in the third day of January 2012, an act to correct and simplify the drafting section 1752 relating to restricted buildings or grounds of Title 18 United States Code be it enacted by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled. Section 1, short title, this act may be cited as the Federal Restricted Buildings and Grounds Improvement Act of 2011. Section 2, Restricted Building or Grounds, Section 1752 of the Title 18, United States Code, is amended to read as follows. Restricted Buildings or Grounds. (coughs) A. Whoever... Knowingly enters or remains in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority to do so. Two, knowingly and with intent to impede or disrupt the orderly conduct of government business or official functions, engages in disorderly or disruptive conduct in or within such proximity to any restricted building or grounds when or so that such conduct, in fact, impedes or disrupts the orderly conduct of government business or official functions. <laughs> Mic check, anybody? Three, knowingly and with the intent to impede or disrupt the orderly conduct of government, business, or official functions, obstructs or impedes ingress or egress to or from any restricted building or grounds, or four, knowingly engages in any act of physical violence against any person or property in any restricted building or grounds, or attempts to conspire, aspires uh, to do so, shall be punished as provided in subsection B the punishment for a violation of subsection a is a fine under this title or imprisonment for not more than 10 years or both if a the person during uh, and in relation to the offence uses or carries a deadly or dangerous weapon or firearm or b the offence results in significant bodily injury as defined by section 2018e3 and a fine under this title or imprisonment not for not more than 1 year or both in any other case in this section The term restricted buildings or grounds means any posted, cordoned off, or otherwise restricted area. A, of the White House or its grounds, or the Vice President's official residence or its grounds. B, of a building or grounds where the President or other person protected by the Secret Service is or will be temporarily visiting. Or, C, of a building or grounds so restricted in conjunction with... um, In conjunction with an event designated as a special event of national significance, and two, the term other person protected by the Secret Service means any person whom the United States Secret Service is authorized to protect under the Section 3056 of this title or by presidential memorandum when such person has not declined such protection. Now, to get through all of the gobbledygook and $300 words that they typically throw into this kind of stuff, and mind you, I might add, this is once again the shortest bill I've ever seen. This is remarkably
1: clear of the gobbledygook. I, honestly, <laughs> it's it's, a, it's pretty clear English.
0: No, I understand. I just it's it's like a it's a typical thing when you're dealing with legalese that they use terminology that maybe is a bit more complicated than it needs to be. Like if you ever read the United States Constitution, anybody can figure that out. It's not complicated. Um, some of the words here, which I get it and you get it. But there, it's written in such a way that it's, it's a little bit overcomplicated to achieve what it wants. I mean, they could have just, you know, they could have made the language a little easier. But that, that being said, um, what you're looking at is anybody protected by the Secret Service. Now, as was pointed out in recent articles, um, people who are protected by the Secret Service includes former presidents like Bush, Cheney, um, it includes presidential candidates, it includes anybody that essentially is in some fashion given Secret Service protection. Okay. Now, the way that this translates into actually harming us as activists is that, you know, first of all, it's very vague in its wording, in that okay, to disrupt the or you know the orderly conduct of government business or official functions. That's why I said mic check. Yeah, that's would, a, go ahead,
1: Neil. Um, wouldn't the Fed be protected by uh, the Secret Service since? You know, they control the Mint, essentially, and that's the purview of that agency?
0: In theory, um, I'd have to actually look into it, but um, basically what you're looking at here is that um, it puts them in a position where, first of all, like, we can't go to say, because remember, even presidential candidates like Santorum and Romney right now both have Secret Service protection. We cannot go to their rallies and mic check, or we could go to federal prison. Yeah. You know, um, now, there's actually a couple of callers. I'm going to go ahead and add them now. Caller from 810, you're on the air.
2: Welcome. Hello, uh, V-Radio. This is Diane, also from Detroit. Um, and a regular Wild uh from Wild Wild Love Radio on Blog Talk Radio for the last four years. Um, really happy to weigh in on the subject, and thanks for having me.
0: Um, there was another caller from the 407 area code. I was just about to activate your mic. If you're hearing this now, please feel free to call back. Um, and uh, welcome to the show, Diane. Um, now, there's a couple, uh, go ahead. There's a, couple,
2: there's a couple points I wanted to make about this. First of all, none of the language in this bill is is essentially new. Um, the, some of these, some, a, a lot of these um, particulars have have been enacted in, in law before, but What The the really pertinent language here is that, as you had mentioned, anybody in office is covered under this protection. Anybody running for office is under this protection. What they have done is struck the language of willfully and knowingly, which means essentially you go to protest somewhere in Detroit, not even knowing a politician is in a building, and you can be prosecuted for it the striking of the word knowingly and willfully are really important another another big michigan law and especially because we're the land of the lakes we have very strict laws about ingress and egress which is blocking access and originally that was done for our public properties our public beaches our accesses to to the lakes um so this a a lot of people in michigan will really understand what ingress and egress means but what this means is that should we march down and somebody say says i can't get to my bank you blocked ingress and egress so they are employing that language federally federally to say basically a march down the street is illegal because you blocked access to going in or out of a building um this is really insidious language and as you say a lot of bills that it's tagged on. This is very overt warfare language to we occupiers of Detroit, occupiers of the United States.
1: I couldn't agree more. I couldn't That's- agree more. It's very overtly hostile. And this compounding with the with the NDAA, with um you know SOPA, PIPA, ACTA, and all—all all, you know. Then um, the uh, domestic detention specialist training being advertised on the U.S. military's websites. I think um, that, and then the drones. It—it uh, it all is just starting to look very 1984. I've been having conversations with friends of mine out of country, and when I tell them about this stuff, they're like, "What in?" the hell is going on in the United States right now, you guys are nosediving into, into fascism. And, um, you know, even friends in Mexico are like, man, you guys are headed to a worse police state than we have right now. Well,
0: yes, the, the I fact agree. Of the Go matter ahead.
2: Is, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Uh, no, no, that's fine. Go ahead.
2: Um, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I, feel free to tell me to shut up. Having a radio show, I tend to get excited and talk.
0: I know exactly Um, how you feel. Go ahead.
2: Okay. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, as as Chavez put it recently, um, we don't, you know, it's never the revolutionaries that start the violence. It's the counter-revolutionaries. It's the people wanting the status quo. They have already... I mean, besides the financial and economic, they went after the the blue collar, the working class. Then they went after the investment class. Then, right now, actually the elites are going after each other to be in a, in, a, in a sick game of last man standing. But no empire, empires always fall, but nobody ever acquiesces their power. Just like, oh, golly, you asked nice, I guess. Okay, here you go. Have your autonomy back. Have your voices back. Have, you know... Um, your 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 right to self-determine back that that never happens. Um, the the fact that you know I I've talked to Noam Chomsky last Friday on my show, and like he said, the fact that they moved this protest, the fact that they have been so um, violent in their reaction to us says that the elites are running scared. Um, the, the the point of the matter being is well. Golly, we're listing all this, we're enraged. Yes, you are I am. Um, are we going to go, hmm, let's rage more about this or let's get afraid? No, we're gonna see it as a victory. The fact that they moved G eight, and I was headed to Chicago, to, you know, Camp David, which is Fort Knox, they're afraid. The fact that Camp that, you know, Fort their Fort Knox at Camp David is full of Secret Service they want to make sure we can't protest there. They're trying to support well, they, they
1: wouldn't have pushed any of these laws if they weren't afraid. Um, but, and, and you're you're right about it. it's never the, the revolutionaries that start the violence. Uh, but I think um, there are a lot of things brewing here. Um, you know, we're, we've already reached peak oil. And and so there's there's the big grab for the last of those resources. Um, and then... So, so those that's all the war fronts, and that's sustaining the military-industrial complex. I mean, th- there are so many layers to this thing. It's so embedded. And honestly, this system was never really designed to give us a fair shake in the first place. It was only meant for the landed um, male wealthy people of this country to have any say, and and then they only got represented by their buddies. Um, nobody in the citizenry is ever really supposed to be able to vote on things that are important to them and then actually determine the direction of their lives. And so, you know, this Republic really needs to become a democracy to become acceptable, I think.
0: Um, Well, it's interesting that you point that out. Uh, When I was asked to speak at a kind of a teach-in thing we did about the effects of money on politics for uh, Justin of the education team, um, One of the things that I pointed out was that the system that we live in now was kind of designed as a plutocracy from the beginning. Um, The founding fathers, you know, they were better than, say, you know, nobles or monarchs or whatever. But a lot of them were rich people who were kind of interested in staying rich and were kind of tired of sharing their money with people who lived across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, And they did a lot of things to try to curtail or to eliminate the average person's ability to affect government. Um, and essentially that's why I mean I've done whole shows about that topic But, but well, I think what it really Amounts to is that it's important to understand That our system especially the moment we changed To representative democracy We were essentially robbed of any Real voice that we had And the only people who ever get elected to these representative Positions with extremely rare exceptions Are people who happen to be Part of the plutocracy, part of the money Part of the 1% The system is not designed to facilitate you know, people who are outside of the 1% ever really having a voice. You know, there are rags to riches stories, but for the most part, unless you're going to essentially, um, for lack of a better term, whore yourself out to corporations, you don't really have a prayer of getting into the Senate. Um, it's, It's possible to get into Congress, but you have to have your constituents have to know who you are, which is very rare. Most people don't even know who their congressman is. And then they convince us that the presidency is the big thing. That's what everybody pays attention to. But they don't realize that, you know, for example, people who blame the president for things that happened during their term are not recognizing that there's two other branches of the government that unless they happen to agree with what the president is doing, he's not going to be able to accomplish anything anyway. Um, wow. The system doesn't work that way. To a point. To a point, Because
2: the, the, uh, the president of the United States has a huge platform from which to speak and I'm going to use uh, President Obama as as, uh, the the most obvious example, um, who ran with a 74% approval rating of single-payer and yet did not campaign or say a word, barely spoke out against the backlash of of the Tea Party movement, and tried to push Medicare works, it's the most cost-effective, and single-payer works. He didn't use that platform. What we have now is a Uniparty. And and I guess if, if anything I would like to influence you you fine gentlemen on is um you know, what I changed I changed Noam Chomsky's mind about and he it came out and backed the third party candidate. Um, as long as we're self defeating and, and, and we do that self fulfilling prophecy of it will never work, we're stuck with a uniparty of money with money buying all of it. Um and, and until we say, you know what, <laughs> we can, and it will work, because really we need to. And it doesn't matter. You know, I, I tend towards. I know you guys um may or may not. I run towards socialists or green. Okay, either candidate, Jill Steen, um, Stuart Alexander, good candidates. Um, until we get out there and go, you know what? It is not that one POTUS will not make a whit of difference. You are correct in that. There's two other branches. But what it will do is wake the millions of people in America off to the fact that, well, golly, we don't have to pay, play under their paradigm. We don't have. There, it doesn't have to be this way. And we suddenly realize we can self-determine.
0: Well, let's, um, let's kind of get back to the initial topic, um, which not to say that everything that we've been saying isn't you know is somewhat relevant. Um, I think it's important to kind of bring a, a, some awareness to the the nature of these kinds of laws and what essentially they're setting the, the precedent for, you know, basically, you know, as I was just communicating actually a little bit with uh, Joe, the guy who's in, in charge of direct action, unfortunately he's not available tonight. Um, but essentially the provisions of this law put us in a position where we cannot go to political rallies and mic check where we cannot go to um, any, basically anywhere you're going to see it. Cause like we, we've had this in the past, like, Um, There's actually a pretty good video you can get about a huge protest, an anti-war protest um, that went on in Oregon where the police eventually had to like, you know, forcibly remove a huge amount of people because they wanted to get them away from this hotel or whatever that George Bush was staying in. And now essentially just showing up there at all would be grounds for just being arrested and thrown in prison for 10 years. Um, you know disrupting or whatever you know that's essentially like probably the the biggest thing that we do i mean you see videos of it all over youtube that you know there are people that are um, you know we show up to these rallies or whatever and we mic check different candidates and we you know we we use our people's mic to get attention and essentially this law in particular obviously targets us directly a lot of the articles on the, you know, on, on the blogs and stuff like the ACLU got in on this, you know, to, to to make comments about the different applications of these kinds of laws and the ways that they could be twisted to affect us, you know, and as Nathan was talking about earlier, this is just kind of one of many. We're seeing a lot of these kinds of laws happening and then they start from one area and then once they've desensitized you to that idea, then they start moving into another. You know, how long is it going to be before we're not allowed to quote unquote disrupt like city council meetings? You know, how long is it going to be before we're not allowed to, quote-unquote, disrupt, you know, um, anything? You know, once you once people get out of the habit of protesting, when you say that you think that they're, they're afraid, I absolutely agree. You know, and why do you think they mention the White House right away? Well, it just so happens I was looking around on the Internet, and there's somebody right now trying to organize a huge Occupy Washington, D.C. event. Okay? So... You know, imagine the impact that would happen if all of the people from the different occupies got together and decided, you know what, we're going to go occupy the White House lawn, you know, and that's supposed to be slotted for, you know, sometime this month is what I heard. So imagine, you know, they're essentially just kind of ripping this together and, and sticking it out there. And that's another reason I think that um it's one of the reasons why it's so brief and one of the reasons why they didn't try to introduce it in any other bills is because they needed to be ready right away for what could prove to be. You know, a huge rally of occupiers in Washington, D.C.
2: They're playing chess with us. It's a nuclear deterrent. It's a nuclear deterrent trying to make us too afraid to be the first one on the front line that's arrested for it. The center won't hold with us. It's going to be a long, hot summer of discontent. It still is in Oakland, And, and it will be in Detroit, and it will be in Chicago, and it will be elsewhere. And either one will still be on the street. What can they take? My body, we are already lost our jobs, our houses, our health care. If enough of us have enough to it, you know, a has always overcome the shark. These laws are essentially made to make us live in fear, and they're unconstitutional. And the first time, the very first time, they dragged 30th of, of us away and black hood us, and it's tried even under this slated, slanted SCOTUS, it won't hold. It's unconstitutional. It's trying to make the average you and me go, golly, yeah, I'm not going to go out there because I can't afford 10 years. Um, it could be a theater, and we have we have to hold our feet to the fire and go, guess what? 10,000 of us are showing us up, showing up anyhow. Hey,
0: real quick, uh, there's another caller. Caller from the 407 area code. You're on the air. Hello? Yeah. Hi, welcome to Occupy Detroit Podcast. How's it going? <laughs> Not too bad.
3: <laughs> tell you us know, who I, you are. Okay, my name is Justin Martin. Okay. I'm calling from Orlando, Florida, Occupy O-Town. <laughs>
0: oh, awesome. Um, definitely. Uh,
3: you, know, I was, you know, I will tell you, um, first off, uh, just my part that, hold on, let me take you off speaker. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, anyways, um, uh, yeah. What I don't get is the is is that law is in direct contradiction with the First Amendment oh, yeah. when it says when it think about it it says uh when it impedes on the uh or or. Uh, uh, it infringes on the right of the people to peacefully to assemble for a redress of government grievances. Well, I mean, governmental business. Think about that. Governmental business, government grievances. If you're if you're if you're redressing a grievance to the government, I mean, that's in direct contradiction with that law. I don't understand that.
0: Well, things you like know. that get passed all the time and you're absolutely right. It is absolutely in indirect, you know, opposition to the First Amendment and they find ways to re you know, to reevaluate and you know, redistribute these things all the time. The funny thing is, is as was pointed out earlier, the language isn't new, but it seems like they needed to spell it out. And right. the funny thing is is that you know, why do they need to make a special act about causing violence or having a deadly weapon at one of these, you know, rallies? You know, why do you need to have a special clause for that? That's illegal already, you know, which makes you begin to wonder. It's like, okay, so since we've seen, for example, police who are trying to break up Occupy movements identify uh, linking arms together in a park as a violent act, you know, even though you're not attacking anybody. I have seen that. I
3: I I have stood out here in front of the Orange County Chamber of Commerce in Orlando, Florida with all the rest of the occupiers and i i find you know a, a very warm welcoming there you know mm-hmm. i can actually speak with people that are you know it's a lot of intelligent people there that really are conscious and aware of what's really going on and you know we we we, we think we have this democracy and it's just completely overran by all these corporations and you know, it, everyone has their own independent belief. There's no leader, and that's what's beautiful about it,
4: is that, you know,
3: no matter where you go, uh, it, when you can communicate with someone face-to-face, you know, because, we're, we're, you know, I spend a lot of time on the computer, I'm on this, this, this network, That's in, you know, show me the Internet, <laughs> you know. So it's good to meet people face-to-face and really communicate with people, and that's what was so welcoming about it was it's been such a long time since I've actually communicated with people of such consciousness, and it was an awakening. And, I, you know, like, like what you said, when they link arms in a park and it's against the law, I right. mean, it's, that's, that's just completely irrational. I mean, I watched 22 people get arrested for, you know, uh saying, hell no, we won't move, or, you know, hell no, we won't go, because they, you know, they come in, and they have these, you know, they just lock people up, they just grab them, throw them to the ground, throw right. them in the paddy wagon, you know, and, I mean, we have footage of all this, I mean, where is democracy, where is our First Amendment?
0: It's, well, where that's is it? what- well, it's it comes to the people that we're supposed to elect to supposedly be the champions of it, but um, I can think of a grand total of two politicians, one of which who just lost his seat, that I trust to do that. Um, congressman Dennis Kucinich of Ohio, a former congressman, as now he is no longer a congressman, um, re- redistricted so that they could get rid of him, pit him up against another activist congresswoman, who you might remember from, um, she was in a, oh, uh that Capitalism a Love Story, Michael Moore's film um, Telling, you know, on C-SPAN She was telling people who were I was thinking You were going
1: to say Die Hard too. But...
0: <laughs> no, no um, <laughs> she, she was telling people who were evicted not to leave their homes Because she knew that people would not be able to Find their mortgage um, You know, right. she's an activist too So they pit her up against Dennis Kucinich So that one way or the other They were going to get rid of one of them um, The Republicans right. basically redistricted Ohio And this is not to say that the Democrats Don't do this too, because they do but they redistricted it in Ohio so that they, basically to put those two at you know at odds to fight one another, and you're only going to get one of them. I mean, I hope Kucinich gets elected somewhere else because he's one of the only congressmen to ever fully come out for the Occupy movement with no bones about it. Um, right. But that being said, you know it, it, as we were saying earlier, where where is the First Amendment? The First Amendment is supposed to be guarded by the people that we elect to represent us. But the average person, this is something I learned really the hard way when I ran for Congress. You know, I told people about their current congresswoman's, you know, activities. Now, when I was in the low income areas, people tended to understand. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I was a libertarian at the time, which is right wing. And a lot of my fellow libertarians at the time told me not to even bother to go to places that had Obama signs because they didn't think I could get any of those people to vote for me. And I went in there and actually every one of those people I talked to ended up voting for me. But um, whenever I went to the higher income areas, uh, like in my district, I mean, these are some places that, you know, you got the, the gas guzzler cars and the white picket fences. They didn't want to hear it. You know, when I told them that their congresswoman, congresswoman was signing away their Fourth Amendment rights, you know, to warrantless wiretapping, they didn't care. Well, that that only affects people that are doing bad stuff. I'm not doing bad stuff, so why should I care? And you know some of them even still believe that Iraq was involved with 9/11. You know, <laughs> even the George Bush doesn't say that anymore. You know, and that, but that's how ignorant some of these people are. And you know, um, we found aluminum tubes. <laughs> right, we found aluminum tubes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you
3: know, oh my gosh.
0: Right. I mean, and know, now
3: they're beating the war drum right to Iran.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and you know and
3: why? Why? Why perpetual war? Well, whatever. Well, you know when they say the president says he says we will take no options off the table. Okay, now people can interpret that as very mighty and strong. What? Well, whatever happened to diplomacy? And our and our diplomats? Who, who's not doing their job? What's going on? What happened to negotiating? What's you know? going
0: on is they want they want Iran out of the way because they want their oil. <laughs> I mean that, that, so that's just, really he, the, that's the oil production
1: has already Come and gone that's <laughs> what the story Is right this is the grab For the last of the resources That's why Russia and China Are taking um, Iran's Side and we're stacking up against Them with Europe um, You know it's pretty pretty Blatant and simple we have them pinched In on both sides in a pipeline to Asia across Afghanistan and uh access to the Gulf and major waterways for distribution. I mean it's a it's a very clear strategic power play and grab for resources. If you try and play it as anything else, it's just absurd.
3: Right. It completely I is. I mean That and they think all the
1: Arabs so their imaginary friend will come back.
3: <laughs> right. We build an entire empire based on a depleting resource. I mean I don't know. I, I mean Banking, you know, and and Peter Joseph, that that's a brilliant man. He really has brought even my eye to the attention. I'd I'd like to take this time out to say, uh, he showed me this link on Facebook. That's why I called in. But um, you know, he really brought something to my eye about the Federal Reserve cartel. Essentially, is the way he you know, and then uh also on a, on a on a spiritual level i mean it was like it was like he was able to say wake up you know and he does it through instrumental means i would say because i like playing instruments also so i i heard the instruments and it it was a message that you decoded and what i decoded out of it was this awakening and once i you know it's like it's weird it's like we are coming to a higher consciousness i think as a people
4: True and, so.
3: you know, and as we, and as we all, you know, uh, come to this conscious, we also need to take into perspective our fellow person and do you know, and, and love society and, 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 you know, I find it difficult to try to spread the message of liberty, love and peace. You know, it's, it's very hard because there's a lot of people that are fed up, you know? Right. Uh, and you you see them. I mean the occupiers. I mean there was how many people out in Oakland?
0: Yeah, hundred
3: thousand plus.
0: There was a lot, and I'm and I'm looking forward to that. I think um you know, <laughs> once again as I, as I pointed out at the beginning of this broadcast, this is an Occupy Detroit broadcast, not a V Radio broadcast. But um, even to any members of the Occupy movement, the fa- my favorite radio broadcast that I've ever done um, that I think would be valuable to pretty much any activist was called On the Subject of Sheeple. You can find it at my website, v-radio.org, or v-radio.org. And uh, there I played uh, recordings of people who were being interviewed about what candidates they wanted to vote for and why they were voting for them. Um, And one in particular that sticks out, like the first video was a recording of the guy did when he went around asking these people who were lined up outside in the middle of the Alaskan winter um, to meet Sarah Palin and have her, you know, sign their book, you know, um, and they'd say, "Do you want Sarah Palin to be the next president?" And they'd be like, "Oh yeah, absolutely." Uh, well, what do you think of her foreign policy? And they're like, <laughs> "Dot dot dot," you know. Uh, well, I'm sure she had to deal with border issues because she was right across from Russia, and I'm just like, what? You know, these people don't can't answer these basic questions. About their you know about their candidates And it's because of the fact that you know We've kind of been you know the the, Essentially the Election system that we Have has Been Kind of hijacked into a dog and pony Show okay everything Everything is so Superficial And you know it's all You know basically it's you know People it's a popularity contest You know this is why right. you have candidates that might have a good message. You know, but- I think it's
1: worse than that. I think it's the e- news network. I think it's the E news network. I think it's I think it's what they do to keep you distracted while they have you bent over the barrel. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's like giving you a puppet show while they're um, performing uh, non consensual anal on you, basically. <laughs> it, you know, it, that that's right. the best analogy I can give to it, um, because. We don't actually get to vote on anything that really matters in our life, whether we go to war, um, whether we give children health care, whether we give our fellow, you know, man health care and take it out of the hands of private companies. We don't get a say in that kind of stuff. That's why I'm right. trying to get the message out that this representative democracy is not a system that will ever serve the people. It will only serve the representatives. Right. Right. You know, as long as as long as you think one party's better than the other, and that you can vote your way out of this, they have you fooled. You're you're right. you're playing right into their hand. You right. also have to accept that they control well. You know, the major conglomerates that are the defense contractors right. also own the news outlets, so they're selling you the war that they're building the machines for. <laughs> um, you know, they, and they're getting advertising dollars from the people that are poisoning you to do it and then advertising dollars on the other end from the pharma companies that are selling you the cure for the poison. Um, You know, I mean, these guys (laughs) elbow deep in you and most people don't even know. Right. They don't even know. They just want the new coach purse and a new car in two years and you know that's as long as their cell phone's um a glowing rectangle that feeds them all the joy they need in the world, then they don't care about anything else
0: right and that's you know. and they're condi- but they're conditioned to believe that way they're engineered to, right. to to think that way um i mean I say engineered you know uh, I often tell people that if you really want to understand why we are where we are um watch the movie cywar um like p s y war uh watch the the Adam Curtis documentary series from the BBC The Century of Self yeah, and then you great one. and then Eric. you get to see how they had Edward Bernays who was uh, Sigmund Freud's nephew uh, size, uh, basically sociologically examine and figure out ways to condition us to become better consumers and to believe that our ability to purchase things is directly linked to our freedom and that if we don't have that ability, then we're not, like, viable human beings. And you yes, see this manifest it itself ex- in so it also, many ways.
1: Um, it also makes the link into uh, marketing for products, into turning politicians into products, and right. uh, policies into products. And right. they, they display how they manipulate the public. Uh, it's, it's amazing that the BBC would even put something like this out because there's so much truth <laughs> in it.
0: Right. Well, that's something, actually, I've talked to British people about that. I'm like, how do you guys get this great channel, the BBC? And the funny thing is, is they told me that the stuff that we're watching that we like is actually BBC Three, which is the smallest channel and gets the least amount of money. Um, you know, but in the interests of making money, they try to make a BBC to cater to all audiences. And right. so, basically, that's what you're looking at, um, you know, that's what you're looking at when you're dealing with this is that basically we're looking at the exceptional television that apparently a great deal of the BBC, BBC is crap. Like when you talk to British people about it, but
1: you know, Oh, I like top gear and, um, you know, I, I've seen a number of good programs out of there. I, But you know, most, well,
0: sure. I'm just saying that as far as news, you know, okay, sure. They all don't right. like activists in England don't really care for the BBC, but BBC three and all the Adam Curtis documentaries are great. But you know, when it comes to what we're discussing today, There are a lot more laws like this, and we're dealing with them in Michigan, obviously, like the, um, you know, you being from Orlando, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but we have a law right now in Michigan on the books and currently being used that allows the governor to appoint corporations to take over communities to fire elected officials and city council members, mayors, and replace them with people that he appoints. Wow. Did you guys know about that in Florida?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting because I actually used to live in uh,
1: Michigan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Like everybody in Florida. And I
3: moved, I moved, I actually moved from, when I was 15, I moved from Miami to Michigan. uh, On on February the 5th, I remember. And the analogy that I use, and you were talking about analogies, um, is I went from, you know, uh, sandcastles to snowmen. (laughs) So... You know, uh, experiencing those different places, especially because I lived in uh, Ishbeming. Are you familiar with that?
0: Ishbeming. No. Go ahead.
3: Marquette, Mich- Do you know where Marquette, Michigan is?
0: Uh, I've, heard the, I've heard the name. Oh, in the UP. Across no, but the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But continue. Yeah.
3: But, uh, you know, the uh, – yeah, definitely. Uh, no matter where I've went, though, I've seen a lot of people – and I've met the same groups of people no matter where I've went. And I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it stereotypically, but you know, I've shared a lot of community experience with people and the one thing that I get from it all is that they're all just yearning for success. They all just want to be happy. They all just however they define that. So if that includes going to a 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, and doing it and paying their taxes and, and and living in the system while they're just like you say completely being bent over i mean and and in some and and, and some people put it as a, almost a hypnosis. I mean what I would say if if I could talk to the American public, I would say one the go go to the back of your t v and unplug that cable.
4: Because that's
3: a monitor that you have sitting in your – are you tired of just the channel and the volume button? Go get a computer, okay? you got a lot more options, a lot more inputs. You can input information and receive now, information that you input. For now.
1: They're, they're seeking to end that, though, brother. They're, now they're, they're getting, seeking they're that, that, too.
3: Sequence. They're getting that, too. And right. we all thought, okay, this – you know, everyone blacked it out. So did Google with this whole, like, anti-piracy act? A few days later, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they come out with a global act that initiated it globally?
4: Yeah, that I don't like It was called the Anti-Counterfeit
3: Act or something like that. Yeah. I don't know the I don't I don't know the exact HR number, but I'm I, I believe I read it somewhere where it said they initiated it on a global level. And well, then the soon after, after Google, YouTube, everyone else, they changed their privacy policy, and their EULA is very interesting. Uh, but you know, our our privacy is being encroached on at all angles. We are being manipulated by the mass media.
1: Mm, it, seems if, it seems as if it seems as if
3: everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere I look around, bro, everywhere I look around. Well, you know, my a... favorite my favorite part is when the electricity gets shut off and I walk outside because so does everyone else and they actually become human again and talk to each other. It's like they get <laughs> off the grid. This <laughs> is freaking awesome, dude. I love when the power goes up, and the silence is phenomenal.
0: You know, you're actually talking about a really interesting point. Um, you know, that's you know, I hadn't thought about that until you just brought it up, but it reminds me of one of my favorite episodes of South Park, um, where uh, the Internet goes off, and he kind of <laughs> makes it like a parody on a uh, – post-apocalyptic films, because people are in camps so that they can get internet, you know, like as if they were trying to get food or something. You know, (laughs) people are traveling around the different states to try to get more internet. Um, You know, but as far as how this is relevant to what we're discussing, the idea that you can make a law as a governor and get it passed through the, you know, the House and all that, that allows you to shut down local governments, essentially allows you to circumvent the right to vote, it allows you to um, destroy any any semblance of the democratic process there really is, and he's handing these places over. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the city, but uh, they normally Benton have this. Harbor. What was it?
1: Benton Harbor got yep. turned over to Whirlpool.
0: Yep. Benton Harbor is now ruled by Whirlpool, and they uh, there was a freedom festival that normally happens in Benton Harbor, and Whirlpool called it off. You know, if you can imagine for a moment, then essentially. You know, it's almost like could this be a test bed for desensitizing us to the idea that corporations should be running everything already? Yeah, you know, I
1: believe it. it is. Michigan's Michigan is a test bed for a lot of stuff, I would say.
0: Well, I mean, when you think about it as uh actually like um, Michael Moore said when he was at Occupy Detroit and Flint, he said that Detroit is the the kind of the ground zero for the financial collapse. Um, it's like, you know, this is where the bomb hit and now the radiation is just spreading. Um, you know, and so basically we are kind of in a position where like, for example, oh, there's another thing that was recently revealed here in reporting on Detroit news. The Detroit police department recently purchased a weapon, um, that is utilized really for no purpose other than to dis, you know, to disperse large crowds. Um, and, uh, I'm actually, I'm, Failing to remember what the name of it is But it comes on a big truck I believe it's a microwave cannon But um, basically it's um, It's a big gun that they can fire It has, you know, it's invisible It makes you feel like you're on fire It doesn't actually hurt you Although if you were exposed for a long period of time It could Um, And it really has no purpose other than breaking up big crowds And, you know, you couple that With the other things that the state is doing I've mentioned on a previous broadcast That Uh, Here in Michigan, they um, recently, you know, you go into the uh, DHS or FIA office where people get food stamps. And for the longest time, the place just looked like a lobby maybe for a hospital or something where you're sitting in chairs. And, you know, they call you up when it's your time and, you know, no big deal. And there'd usually be at least one security guard there. Well, you go in there now. The last time I was there, there were four security guards armed security guards and the big area where you see you know where normally you would walk up and talk to people like maybe at a bank like with tellers or whatever is now sealed off with bulletproof glass okay what? yeah i'm not even kidding this place is somewhere that you would normally you know you you bring your family there you bring your kids there whatever and there are kids there and it's sealed off with bulletproof glass like it would be say in a gas station in the ghetto you know, oh my yeah. And this and wow. this is a state building. And I remember I just walked up to the one of the security guards and asked him. I said, man, you guys have four security guards here and bulletproof glass. I mean, was there some kind of incident? And They said, well, uh, Governor Snyder recently put a huge limitation on uh, all of the cash assistance that people were receiving. And he's got his eye on food stamps. So we know there's going to be problems when people show up here because they're not getting cash assistance anymore. And there were apparently already a few incidents. Um, if he ever turns off food stamps in this state, I think you'll have riots. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And
3: that's I, You know, I've heard of reports, though, um, of actual small, I don't know where, actually, but I remember reading it, and it, they were actually trading their own currency. Within like small parts of of America. Now, yeah, there, I don't... there's been a
1: few independent currency movements. Basically, they're going back to uh, precious metals standard. Right. Um, I, I work in metals, so I'm I'm familiar with this stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, they they mostly go over to ninety percent silver, which. U.S. coin from dimes to dollars was minted in 90% silver uh, before 1964. Uh, There was also gold bullion for larger transactions, but uh, communities were actually minting their own coins um, and uh, trading in certificates for kept coin Um, in many states, uh, some communities in Michigan. In fact, there was a barter box system that I think is still in place in Detroit there are other services that are doing this as well. Um, there's an online service, uh, which is like a barter box type of service. You can you can trade whatever your skill is for whatever somebody else's skill is. So if you can build houses and somebody and you need some dental work or whatever, um, you can accumulate trade points and just do direct service for service exchange. I um, there, there are a lot of different, you know, uh, alternate financial systems already, already in place in several communities. Um, I was having conversations with some people in the Detroit metro area within the last couple of months um, about firing up in um, certain sections of Detroit, mostly the east side I was talking about because I knew a lot of businesses over there, a um, uh, uh, silver system that would adjust to spot price with dollars every day so that we could carry, um, like, real physical uh, silver currency instead of, um, you know, paper, fiat. So, um, you know, but eventually, if things break down, uh, salt, sugar, flour, corn, you know, bullets. right, that's gonna be the kind of stuff that's that's worth money uh silver and gold is is only valuable if you can actually do something with it in the long run
3: right and gold gold mostly you know when you look at gold and when you look at the you know our federal reserve system uh and the way it plays out and the way it plays into society, and we see you know uh to bring it more to a political perspective. Ron Paul, when he talks about, uh, you know, uh, in the Fed, when he talks about how, you know, I can show you, you know, uh, how to, you know, Gingrich says $2.50 or two fifty dollars uh, gasoline. They don't even sell it in that quantity. It's always 24 or t- or $2.49 and 99 You know, they don't even sell it in that quantity. What are you talking about? $2.50 gas. So the whole theory is rejected. Ron Paul comes out, and he says, you know what, I can show you how to get a gallon of gasoline for a dime. He says, now look back to the silver standard. Look to a 1950s dime. There's enough silver in there that's worth today of a gallon of gas at the time when he said it. Now it's actually raised above that, I believe. I'm not sure, but I will say that anyways.
1: Um, Uh, 1950s dime is worth about $2.30, so it's pretty close.
3: Well, at the time, it was the height of silver. It was at like, what is it now? Is it, I mean, at the time, I think it was 40.
1: It's right around $34 an ounce, like uh, Troy ounce, yeah. 31.1 grams. And it's worth 34. Yeah, it was
3: uh, about 40. So, I mean, you know, and he says that, and it's like, do people really understand what he's saying? He's saying that this, this exchange of currency, because it's becoming so bad in these communities that people have to make their own currencies in order to just survive. Uh, and, you know, when you talk about the uh, the food stamp line and the bulletproof glass and the children in there and the four, you know, security guards, that's really how bad it's becoming. That's, that's as bad. Really? I mean, are we, do we live in a war zone is what we have to start asking ourselves.
1: Well, yes, you do. Is it,
3: is it the, the conscious versus United the States unconscious? The zone, I mean, no, not, not, not to put a, 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 a versus NDA on it. but I'm
1: the saying. United States zone, A division. But, you know. I mean, and we I, are living in a war zone, according to our government.
3: And 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 we're, we're viewed as what uh, Jordan Maxwell would say: ward of the courts, which <laughs> infants is what wards translates into. I believe is what he says.
1: And uh, you know, citizenry it, equals slavery. I mean, you're property wait, is wait, a state wait, wait, if you're a citizen.
3: What happened? My question is, what happened to democracy? What happened to, what democracy? To, what democracy? to the American people? What happened? It was to the never here. Democracy was never
1: here. This was always a representative republic. This is a farm intended to scalp you of your labor and feed the rich people and make them richer. You've been fooled, sir. Uh, that's
3: that, you know what I say to that. That's <laughs> unacceptable. That is completely unacceptable.
1: because now, Go ahead.
3: Th- 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 the reason I say that is not to. Not, I'm not uh, going against what you say, but I'm saying I understand that what you're saying is a reality. But I'm saying it's the reality is unacceptable. I agree. You know. And and that's how are we? Gonna, how, how do we? How do we occupy? How do we translate our? redress of government grievance or redress of government grievances how do we how do we translate that today how do we apply that in our lives
1: my opinion is that they've got to go <laughs> i mean that's my opinion but um right. you know if you if you they're not willing to stop farming you out for for you know tricking you out they're your pimp okay um so they're not going to let you go you've got to decide that you have to make a new way of living life or you're always going to be there for.
4: You
3: know, and whenever you, whenever you, you know, rely on a system to provide you of your food and of your water and of your housing and you play the role and you play the part and you do your job and you get taxed and you play the, 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 the essential, uh, a puppet role, then you get a little bit of freedom for a few hours a day. That's that that that's what it's all about. I mean, I I'm just I don't I really don't
1: understand because you're free seems, range livestock. That's what the deal is. You're more or, you're or allowed people. you're allowed to think you have some freedom because it makes you more productive. If you knew you were a slave, then you'd be disheartened and you wouldn't want to produce. Right. So they make this illusion that you got free time and all these fun activities you can do. You can ride the roller coasters. You can play bumper cars. You can get drunk at the bar. You can beat your wife. You know, watch sports. They they keep you distracted and enough to, you know, think you have some control. And, and then they make sure you go to work to make sure that you pay for your own housing, that you pay for your food, that you pay for the car that, you, you know, always a new car, right, every year. And um, that you you stay every time you sign a, a note of debt you are furthering the um your indentured servitude you you right. you're you're signing another lease on your slavery you're working for these objects if you're paying cash out of pocket it might be a little bit of a different story that's discretionary income right but right. everybody lives on credit today right and you you are signing away your future labor To have things. You're a free-range slave. Right.
0: Well, um, guys, uh, just because I'm enjoying this conversation, but we're really off topic. Um, And just because people (laughs) tuned in to to discuss specifics about certain laws that will affect the Occupy movement. um, You know, you guys obviously, you know, you have a lot to say, and that's awesome. And we can always – please feel free to call back in, especially during my radio broadcasts that aren't, you know, about specific topics. We sometimes have panels So, that being said, um, now, uh, given the the nature of the fact that, you know, like, you know, you didn't, you were not aware of this law going on in Michigan. um, Absolutely
3: not.
0: And then, obviously, we have things like the NDAA that a lot of people have been talking about, the ability to, um, you know, put people away, you know, indefinitely, the suspension of habeas corpus. uh, and, And the way that, you know, especially this particular law seems like a response directly to the Occupy movement. Um, It makes, you know, an interesting, you know, story actually that, you know, I'm hoping to discuss with people from direct action from different Occupy movements is, you know, so what do we do now? If we can't mic check at these people's rallies, I mean, there were a lot of other places that we would mic check, but, you know, is this something that's essentially going to be, you know, part of a, uh, a downward spiral, so to speak, towards not being able to, you know, publicly outburst anywhere? you know, what kind of language are they going to use to convince people that that's the, you know, that that's the better thing to do? Um, well, really,
1: you know, I think I think if you read the first part of that law again, um, it doesn't specifically outline only things that are protected by the Secret Service. It, it says that you cannot um, gather more or less anywhere, I think, it, from the way I heard it. I mean, right. it, it it basically says, you know, if you... If you want to use protests as a form of free speech, um we're gonna put you on federal charges and hold you for um no more than ten years for until we modify the law you know why why is it the u s has more prisoners per capita than any of the other uh nations on earth, but we're supposed to be the most free nation on earth. Uh, can, can you, you explain that to me? Like... I'd love to hear that. <laughs> um, you know, can you tell me why we're uh, privatizing prisons at a record rate? You know what prison wages are like? You know, thirty-three, thirty-seven cents an hour. You can tell me <laughs> slavery's dead. <laughs> we're privatizing free-range slaves. So you got free-range, and then you got like cage
0: breeding. No, and that's. I think um, it's important, I guess, to try to bring things back to a point where we start to pay attention to these legislations, and we need to bring people awareness of them because, in many cases, the average citizen is just not um, really—they're not tuned into the fact that something like this could even happen. That I guess would be the point. And the way that you know, essentially, you know, a fascist system takes hold is one piece at a time. Um, you know, like, we'll do it a little bit over here, and we'll do it a little bit over there, and we'll do it, you know, and and then eventually, when things are to the point that or we've lost all of our rights, it's going to be a situation where we, basically, we have to ask ourselves at that point, how did this happen? How did it get to this point? And in order to find out, you're going to have to monkey through pages and pages and pages of you know, United States Code, which is confusing in of itself, if you've ever tried to read the law, um, you know, to, uh, you know, leaf through, well, this this thing and this act here and this thing and this act here. You know, by the time we're finished and when all of this is accumulated, it's going to be a spider web.
1: It's already too late, Neil.
0: Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> Shit's gone down. I don't, I don't, Everybody slept I don't, I don't, while the hammer fell. I'm not giving up until uh, they come to I my house and cut off the you know cut off this radio show, well, I didn't say absolutely off, and I agree right?
3: with you, I agree with you bro, sir. I don't know I never give up hope ever you i mean Barack Obama ran on that right hope, something to believe in right that's what he said
0: well, the <laughs> change we can you believe know, in you
3: know, the change you can believe in the only thing he ever did was change his mind. <laughs> Well, one
0: of the things that uh, came up during that subject show I was talking about earlier was, you know, they talked to a fellow on a beach and you're like, who are you going to vote for? And he's like, Barack Obama. And he's like, well, why? You know, what is what policy of Barack Obama's do you like? He's like, well, I think I like change and I'd like to see change. And he couldn't articulate what change.
1: He couldn't (laughs) articulate
0: what change he thought Barack Obama was going to bring about. It was all this is why I tell people to educate themselves about propaganda and advertising right. and all of that. Because right. you're you know, at that point you're kinda of brainwashed. You support like this person infallibly to the point that you want them to be the leader of your country and the most you know is that they're gonna change things. You know? <laughs> okay, what <is> are <laughs> they gonna change it to? We could change it to national socialism for all you know. You know, if you're not aware you know, then then that's where you're stuck, you know, essentially is that there are so many people that vote for people based on, you know, superficial reasons, you know, and then those people in turn run the country, you know, right. and that's basically the, the gist of it is that people are not tuning in and in fact, you know, the society is designed in such a way that people like us, doing things like camping in tents and parks and places, are the ones that are thought of as the freaks. That people that are socially conscious and actually care about the world that they live in are the ones that are freaks. The ones who stand up and do something. Well, now we're going to be criminals for for speaking out, okay? And essentially, um, when when you look at it, the, the final resolution of all of this is that. When this is gone, when the world is gone, you know, it reminds me actually of something that was said in a recent Star Wars film. You know, so this is the sound of you know, it's, you know democracy dying. The sound of thunderous applause, because we will have been so convinced that this was good for us, that you know that the that the brain at that point is disengaged, and that's why I say, you know, we're kind of in a state now where this law has not passed this one we were talking about that the show is mostly about it has not passed yet uh, Barack Obama has to sign it into law okay passed the house passed the senate and you know in other cases there were laws that were more vague or you know distributed in such a way that um maybe they could have an excuse of maybe I didn't read it like the Patriot Act you know um, <laughs> but there's no getting around this there's there's no other job. way. right? That there's is no... their job.
3: Their Eight. job is to read that. Their job is to represent the United States. Uh, and, you know, if they don't do that, I mean, and Ron Paul makes a very good point, and I don't mean to be promoting a particular candidate because we could be, you know, just whatever, but the bottom line is, is that when he says that... Uh, you know there is uh you know th- th- there's there's no reason as to why we should have a
0: did we lose him
1: I think so he he might have dropped off um but on the on the subject of uh presidential candidates, I'd just like to say anybody who is looking for a messiah stop just stop there isn't one there's no magic bullet it's not going to cure the problem it's so systemic it's so deep you know you're not going to vote your way out of it voting is what got us here and the system was rigged from the get-go it's time to reset and let's do it peacefully but let's Get our voices heard finally. I mean, it's time. It's time. Um, we have the ability to educate everybody and to make them a thinking-capable um, person who can make good decisions uh, based on evidence. There's no reason we need to have the wiser people uh, dictate our destiny. Um And that's really what representative democracy is about, is letting the people who know best uh, guide us children. Um, I really think, you know, in in this representative democracy situation, um, before people even vote, the question they really need to ask themselves uh, before they vote for a leader is, do I need a leader?
0: Well, that's <laughs> we're conditioned to believe that we do. Um, and then what we expect from our leaders is something that's kind of conditioned in us from a very young age. Um, I'm actually in the process of researching for a documentary right now on that very topic, although who we find to be leaders is only a part of the pie. It's about like, what we allow people to do to become leaders within our group, You know, what kind of uh, things psychologically happen to us, You know, there are people who can assume the state of leadership even without any official position. And that's something that basically is really important that people don't even realize that it's happening to them until in many cases it's too late. You know, it kind of happens in school. Like you get conditioned to that in school, you know, that basically it's acceptable, you know, um, to attack each other to make fun of one another until you can get somebody to silently comply, okay? And whether or not they do it because they're scared, you know, because they don't want to be attacked anymore, or if they do it because they're worried that nobody's going to like them anymore, you know, these stupid little things that you get socially conditioned to, when you're very young,
1: behavior we've been talking about for months, you and I now neil um it's it's the same thing right it's that it's that um verbal badgering the uh the bullying behavior um the you know are rallying uh of weaker minds to form you know the one's will in order to ostracize an individual who's willing to speak up against the bully. Um, you know, it's social conditioning stuff. It's social engineering stuff and uh used to its worst application. It's kind of uh Machiavellian approach to everything, right?
0: <laughs> right. Um Well, we've basically had a good conversation about this and um and I want to thank the caller for calling in from Florida. You know, that was pretty cool. They have somebody from the Orlando Occupy, you know, tune in on this. And um I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the second uh, Detroit, po- you know, Occupy Detroit podcast. I look forward to doing more in the future. Um, if you're interested in checking out any of the work that I do, you can do so on your own. Um, but uh, you know, once again, you may or may not agree with all of it because that, that's the reason I separate these these podcasts. Um, I want to thank you again for being on Nathan, and for anybody who enjoyed listening to Nathan talk tonight. If you go back to my, um, my archives, you can find a lot more shows where I've interviewed people from different Occupy movements. Um, you can find those on my website, v-radio.org. Um, I did stuff at Occupy Flint, Occupy Lansing, Occupy Detroit. I'm working on making a trip to Occupy Windsor um, and perhaps Toledo. Um, there's also a lot of great video stuff involving the Occupy movement that you can find on my um, YouTube channel, which is linked on my website including a video interview with Nathan. So um, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in tonight. I'm going to leave you with some parting words from Network. All right. Thanks, Neil. And starting
5: yep. a mad prophet of the airways, Howard Beaver. Of the board of the Union Broadcasting Systems, and he died at 11 o'clock this morning of a heart condition. And woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! So, a rich little man with white hair died. What is that got to do with the price of rice, right? And why is that woe to us? Because you people and sixty two million other Americans are listening to me right now because less than three percent of you people read books because less than fifteen percent of you read newspapers because the only truth you know is what you get over this tube right now there is a whole, an entire generation that never knew anything that didn't come out of this tube this tube is the gospel the ultimate revelation this tube can make or break Presidents, Popes, Prime Ministers. This tube is the most awesome goddamn force in the whole godless world. And woe is us if it ever falls into the hands of the wrong people. And that's why, woe is us that Edward George Ruddy died. Because this company is now in the hands of CCA, the Communication Corporation of America. There's a new chairman of the board, a man called Frank Hackett, sitting in Mr. Ruddy's office on the 20th floor. And when the 12th largest company in the world controls the most awesome goddamn propaganda force in the whole godless world, who knows what shit will be peddled for truth on this network? So you listen to me. Listen to me. Television is not the truth. Television is a goddamn amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. If you want the truth, go to God. Go to your gurus. Go to yourselves. Because that's the only place you're ever going to find any real truth. But, man, you're never going to get any truth from us. We'll tell you anything you want to hear. We lie like hell. We'll tell you that uh, Kojak always gets the killer and that nobody ever gets cancer in Archie Bunker's house. And no matter how much trouble the hero is in, don't worry, just look at your watch. At the end of the hour, he's going to win. We'll tell you any shit you want to hear. Amen. Uh, you are uh, illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people oh, sit you. there, day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning uh, here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are
4: unreal. You do.